right in the middle of your scriptures. Well, it's almost in the middle of your scriptures, pretty close. Um, Psalm 96. Coincidentally, um, in 1996, um, there was this, this road trip that we took. And uh, we were taking a road trip to Arrowhead Stadium. There you go. Have you got any Chiefs fans in the house? Just a few. I don't know what happened. We weren't, we, we weren't there for the Broncos. But uh, there's a sense where, so we're, there's this anticipation because what happened in 1996 at Arrowhead Stadium when we went there, we were going for a Promise Keepers event. Anybody else go to that event, by the way? Oh, man. So you were, we were worshiping together then. It was amazing. You know, we had this mix, and so there were the, we had the Baptist and the Christian church driving up together. And so if you can imagine that, the, congreg- the pastor of our church was very much a, uh, a kidder. And the guy from First Baptist Church was very much a kidder as well. And so if you can just imagine the banter that's taking place in the car. Now, if you remember back to 1996, something else was happening, maybe not so good. Remember Ted Kaczynski? Who was Ted Kaczynski? The Unabomber. And so we had this place called Allen Canning Company in Salem Springs, Arkansas. And there was a guy that kind of looked like Ted Kaczynski. And so all the way on this trip, you know, we're calling him the, the Unicanner. And so just imagine, like, if you've ever been on a road trip with a bunch of people and just the, the excitement, the anticipation that's happening, um, there's a sense where, man, there's this, and so we get into this stadium, and have you ever been in a stadiums and worshipped with a bunch of people, with worshipped with, like, thousands of people? You ever done that? There's a sense where, like, there's this anticipation, you just can't wait, and there's, there's this crescendo of music that's taking place. And all of a sudden, it's just like, wow, we're in the open air, and God is being glorified. The Promise Keeper Praise Band is up there. It's the most amazing thing. And then you've got speakers uh, like Gary Rosberg, you know, local here, who get up and proclaim God's salvation through the Word of God. And then you've got the stadium erupting, and all of a sudden, it's like there's this sense of like, we love Jesus. Yes, we do. We love Jesus. How about you? And then this side goes. Jesus, yes, we do. We love Jesus. Okay. Jesus, yes, we do. We love Jesus. How about you? We love it more. We love it more. That's right. And all of a sudden, there's like this big competition of who loves Jesus more. It's amazing, right? It was a lot better there than it was here, I must admit. Yeah, maybe a couple more thousand people, you know. Man, it was, it was amazing. And I tell you what, the wave, the wave in church, man, we ought to be doing the wave every Sunday. All right. Here we go. Come on now. Okay, now, you got to go a little bit farther than that. You guys need to stand. Like, when you do the wave in the stadium, it's like, it's like this, okay? Let's see what you guys got. We're building up to something here, just so you know. You guys need to get, get excited. All right, ready? Now we're standing and you're doing the wave. No sticks in the mud. Okay, ready? Here we go. One, two, three. All right. Woo, 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 woo. Yeah. Sit back down, son. 
But there's this, this, as the word of God is being preached and proclaimed, there's this witness through worship and there's this altar call. And men are finding freedom, right? Remember that? Freedom from addiction, freedom from racial reconciliation. They're finding freedom. And there's a sense where there's this movement of God that is p- taking place, what I want to call this morning this, this crescendo of worship. It's amazing. And, and I wonder why that doesn't happen in our churches. Like, why is that not happening so much in church? You know, we can get so excited about a sports game. Like, we'll do the wave at, you know, the Iowa Stadium or the Cyclone Stadium. We'll hoop and holler over, you know, sports, our favorite sports figures. We'll do all sorts of things. I would argue this morning that our worship and celebration of the Lord Jesus Christ should outmatch anything that you do in a sports stadium. The thing that we possess, the victory that we have in Jesus Christ is so much greater than the victory that the Chiefs might have in the Super Bowl. It's so much greater than that. And I believe that there's a movement that is happening here at Crossroads. God is orchestrating a crescendo here. There is a spiritual awakening that is happening in our hearts that's waiting to be expressed and to spill over into our community and, to result, and it will result in the salvation of many who hear the good news of the gospel. And it begins in your heart and it begins in my heart. There are people who are waiting to hear you sing your song of salvation, to sing your new song to the Lord. And so for the next three Sundays, we're going to look at our mission as a church. And our mission at Crossroads is to bring glory to God by making maturing followers who are celebrating the Lord Jesus Christ. We're celebrating the good things that he's done in worship. We're cultivating the kind of community that goes deep, that convicts, that causes accountability to take place with the result and the hope that we would carry the gospel into the world, into the nations. And so we're going to begin by looking at celebrating Jesus. Ultimately, what we're describing here, when we say celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ, celebrating Jesus, we're describe, what we're describing here is worship. You were created to worship God. If you're here this morning, if you have life and breath in you, God created you for the purpose of worshiping. Now, Ted Tripp in his book, uh, Shepherding a Child's Heart, would say this. He said that, All human beings have a Godward orientation, right? Everyone is essentially religious. Children are worshipers. And either they're going to worship Jehovah, they're going to worship the one true God, or they're going to worship idols. But there's never a sense where we're neutral, where we're not worshiping something. In fact, um, Romans 1, 18 through 23 would say that that the wrath of God has been revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. You see, since what was made known about God has been plain to them because God made it plain to them, right? Now listen to this. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. 
We're all worshipers. We all have the opportunity. We all see God. But this is what happens in our world. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. And although they claimed to be wise, they became full, listen, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. What does that say to us? Look at that last sentence. They exchanged God's glory for man-made idols. Why would they do that? Because in every human being, there is a need to worship something. And I'm here to say to you this morning that our worship, we worship the one true God. We worship Jehovah, the God Almighty, the creator of the heavens and earth. We don't worship the creation. We worship the creator. And so what do we mean when we say worship? What does that mean? Are we talking about singing on Sunday morning? Certainly that's part of it. It could be. In fact, our text this morning says that we're talking about singing. Sing to the Lord a new song. Here's some biblical words for worship. If we look at the Hebrew, the most common word here is the idea to bow down, right? To do homage. Or the Greek is to kiss towards, like, like you would kiss the ring of a king. The idea of showing reverence or doing obedience to God. There's another word that describes worship as serving, as ministering, as there's a priestly ministry that each of you as believers in Jesus Christ have. And of course, we have the English word of worship, right? Worthship. To give it its simplest form, worth to something. All of us give worth to something in our lives. The one thing that I do know about worship, that it, it, when we consider all of what worship is, worship involves our attitudes, right? It involves awe, reverence, respect, and it requires an action from us. Bowing down, praising serving. All of us were created to worship. All of you that are sitting here this morning have something that takes priority in your life that you love. And my goal is that you, for this morning, is that you would turn your attention to the Lord Jesus Christ. That we would place him on the throne of our hearts, that we would make him the supreme desire, the driving force of our lives. My goal is that you would reprioritize what's most important to you, and that you would say, you know what? My life exists to celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why I was created. I'm here to worship the Lord Jesus. My prayer is that the crescendo of your life would overflow, right? It would overflow in singing, praising, declaring, ascribing, offering, shouting with joy a new song to the Lord to live a life that celebrates the Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing greater than we can aspire to. Every day ought to be a day at Arrowhead Stadium. Man, where we just are worshiping the Lord. We're speaking about the Lord. There's a great crescendo that will take place when the Lord returns. And it's happening, and it will happen in his creation. By the way, do you guys know what a crescendo is? I'm just thinking about music. I'm a music, music guy, so what is a crescendo? What's a crescendo? Yeah, it starts small, and it grows, and it grows, and it grows. It gets louder and louder. That's what this psalm is about. There's a crescendo that's taking place in here. Starting small, growing, becoming bigger. 
Warren Wiersbe, this is probably my favorite definition of worship. Here's Warren Wiersbe's definition. He says, worship is the believer's response of all that they are, mind, emotions, will, and body to what God says and does. This response has its mystical side in the subjective experience, kind of the thing that happened at Arrowhead Stadium, things that happen maybe in your own lives, but it has its practical side in objective obedience to God's revealed will. To worship God is to offer him our lives, to offer him our obedience, to offer him our service. And so worship is a loving response that is balanced by the fear of the Lord, and it's a deepening response as the believer comes to know God better. And that's what's happening here in our text this morning. Same thing that's happening in Arrowhead Stadium. It's the same thing that's going to happen in this church. There's going to be a growing crescendo of God's praise amongst his people here. And it's happening. So how do we join in? How do we join in this crescendo? How should we celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ? Psalm 96 says this. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name, proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He's to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of nations. That's us. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that's in it. Let the fields be jubilant and let everything in them. And then all the trees of the field of the forest will sing for joy. They will sing before the Lord. For he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the earth in righteousness and all the peoples in his truth. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we come to you today, God. We're excited, God, about your word. We're excited about the crescendo that takes place in this psalm, Lord. Father, we want to join in this song, God. We want to be a part of, of a people, God, that sings of your glory, Lord. Father, thank you for the movement of God in our lives. Thank you for the great salvation, God, that we possess in Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, that you saved my life, Lord, from the pit. You crowned me with love and compassion, God, as Psalm 103 says. Thank you, Father. God, I offer my life, Lord, to you. In service because of the things that you've done for me, God. Lord, I pray, God, that you would awaken us, you'd awaken our hearts, God, to your glory in our lives. You would awaken us, God, and we, would, we could do nothing, God, but sing your praises, Lord. I pray, God, that you would awaken our, the hearts of our church, God, as we've been praying, Lord. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, and all God's people said amen. So how should we join in the crescendo of worship? First, first thing is this. We join in by singing, Right? It says, sing to the Lord. Look at verse 1. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Proclaim his salvation 
day after day. Declare his glory among the peoples. The first thing that we do is we're singing to the Lord, right? This, this idea of Lord here in this passage is, is the idea of the, the existing one. In the great climax of the book of Revelation, Jesus makes this statement to John in a vision. Jesus says this about himself. In, in Revelation 1 verse 8, he says, I am the Alpha, I am the Omega, says the Lord, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Lord Almighty. Praise God, right? Jesus Christ is Lord. You're singing to the God of the universe who was and is and is to come. He's, always, he's the great I am. And guess what? You're not the only one singing this song. If we read a little further in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 9, it says, whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. Why? For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. That is the God that we worship. And so who else would we give our lives for? Who else would we sing for? But God, the Lord, the existing one. And he says to us, he says, sing a new song to the Lord. Hmm. So what's that about? Man, we sing a lot of new songs all the time, right? Sing a new song to the Lord. You can't sing someone else's song, church. We don't sing our parents' song. You don't sing your grandparents' song. This new song to the Lord comes from your own personal heart and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus doesn't have grandchildren. And I think the new song concept here is also this idea that you, you can't just live off the past, right? He doesn't sing, sing, sing an old song to the Lord. No, he says, sing a new song. You see, when Jesus Christ sits enthroned on the, on, the, on the throne of your heart, he will continue to write new melodies. You believe that? He will continue to give you a new song to sing. How do I know that? How do we know that from Scripture? What does Lamentation say? It says his mercies are what? New every morning. And then what does it say? Great is your faithfulness, O God. Right? God is writing melodies on our heart. He wants us to sing to him a new song. He wants us to proclaim, it says. Proclaim his salvation day after day. What, what song are we singing? We're singing of the salvation of God. And when that word salvation means deliverance. Let me ask you a question. Do you just get delivered once in your life? Have you just been delivered once, like when you surrendered your life at the cross of Jesus Christ, and, well, that was good. I'm in. I made it. God's salvation in our lives continues day after day after day. We need to open our eyes to the things that God is doing in our lives and in our hearts. And sing it. Declare it out. Sing a new song. 
there is always a new song to sing. Let me give you an example of this. Back in Psalm chapter 40, verses 1 through 3. Look what the psalm, psalmist writes. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. Have you ever, you ever cried out to God for help? Yeah. Every day. God, I need help. Look what he did. Look what God did. It says that he lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. How many times has that happened in your life? You don't know what to do, and you just throw your hands up to God and say, God, I need your help. And God answers, and God delivers, and God saves. What's the response of the psalmist there? It says, he put a new song in my mouth. What? A hymn of praise to our God. Why? Look at that last sentence. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. You see, we're not just singing to the Lord our new song. We're singing it to others. We're singing it to the nations. Here's what he says. Look at verse 3. It says, Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all of the people. We join in worship by singing to the Lord, and we join in worship by singing to the nations. He's not writing these things on your heart and your life to keep them neatly tucked away as a keepsake. Like, oh, this is my special little thing that me and God have, this special thing that he did for me. The psalmist certainly doesn't write it that way. He says, declare his marvelous deeds among the nations. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory. Announce the good news. Bear witness. Preach the good news. We're at among all of the people. This is a missionary psalm, a call to missions. Mission is, missions is flowing from the singing. He's saying, come join in the song of all the redeemed. It's one of our favorite songs at the church, right? Come join the song of all the redeemed. Make his praise glorious, not just in here on Sunday morning, out there in the community. We should open our mouths and declare the praise of the glory of God as we live our lives. I mean, Scripture makes it clear. As you're going, make disciples of all the nations, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's this crescendo that's taking place in the psalm, and so we're declaring His praise among the nations. Why is singing, proclaiming, declaring the work of Jesus in my life so important? Verse 4 says, For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise, he is to be feared above all gods. Look at verse 5. Listen to this. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. He lists all the reasons here of why we should sing the song and celebrate Jesus. Because he's worthy of boasting about He's worthy of shining a spotlight on. 
Don't be ashamed of him. Don't be ashamed of the work that he's doing in your life. Testify about it. And yet, (laughs) kind of want to do the Sunday school thing and just hide it under a bushel, don't we? Right? I'm not going to try to sing to you again this week because you didn't know my ten were bad, two were good songs. So hide it under a bushel. No. I'm going to let it shine. Why? Why do we sing our song amongst the nations? I think the answer is found in verse 5. For all the gods of the nations are idols. There is an emptiness in the hearts of the nations who put whatever they're trying to fill the void in their lives, their hearts with. I'm not even going to begin to tackle all of those things. But there's an emptiness in idolatry. Everyone was created to worship. All the nations, when this was written, had their own gods that they worshipped. If you walked into a temple, you would find altars to gods. Some of the popular gods during the, the Old Testament, Baal, Molech, Dagon. And God commanded the Jews, he said, do not fashion idols made by human hands. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven or on the earth or beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. Why do we need to sing to the nations? Because there are many who are bowing down to empty idols. We see the example in 1 Samuel 5. Remember that story in the scriptures where the Philistines thought they'd captured God? Do you remember that? The Philistines go and they take the, they take the Ark of the Covenant and they said, wow, we've got God. We have him in a box, right? And we're going to put him in the temple with our God, Dagon. Do you remember what happens in that story? Remember what happens when they come in the next day? Who's bowing to who? The statue of Dagon is bowed to the Ark of the Covenant. They're like, well, I don't know what happened. You know, the wind must have come in and blown this thing over. We better put the statue back up. They put the statue back up, and what happens the next day? Beheaded and arms are cut off. Very good. All the gods of the nations are idols. Oh, it got worse for the Philistines than that in the story. They were ready to send that ark back to where it came from, and we're going to send gold, we're going to send tribute. We just want to appease the real true God, right? We serve a God that is powerful. Splendor and majesty are His. He is the only one that's worthy of praise. And so, we join in by singing, singing our song to the nation. What song is God writing on your heart. What's the song they sing? It's your testimony. The things that God does in your life every day. Don't hold them into yourself. Speak about them. Sing about them. The second thing that we do is found in verse 7. We join in the song. We join in this crescendo of worship by giving. It says, ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. That word ascribe is the idea of to give. 
give to the Lord. Give to the Lord, first of all. Give glory to God. Worship is so much more than singing, folks. It's surrendering. Remember what Jesus said in the New Testament? He said, these people honor me with their lips, but what? Their hearts, they're far from me. To ascribe to the Lord is to give to the Lord. Give him the glory that's due his name. True worship points to God, not ourselves. The only reason that you are who you are is because of God, because of what God does in your life. And true worship will ascribe glory to him. He says to, in verse 8, he says, bring an offering and come into his courts. We join in God by giving an offering. Don't come before God empty-handed, right? When you come before a king, you bring a gift. It's a sacrificial gift. The idea there of offering is the idea of tribute, a gift, and it costs you something. It's sacrificial. True worship involves investing in the kingdom of God. And yes, I'm talking about money. It's amazing that we would go into a restaurant and we would tip someone 20%. And yet when it comes to God, we come empty-handed and we give nothing. Now, I say that just to maybe put a little prick in your heart. I also was very encouraged, and I want you to know that I appreciate the generosity of this church. I was so encouraged to be able to send Keaton an email and say, guess what? We're able to help fund over half of your trip to Southeast Asia. Praise God. We're putting our money where our mouth is. That's what he's saying here. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Get involved in the great crescendo of worship, the great crescendo that is missions to God. Bring a sacrifice. It's only natural that we would invest in the one who saved us. So bring all of you into the courts of God. And then there's an interesting phrase here in verse 9. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness is what the NIV says. It's interesting. If you have the NASB, it says, worship the Lord in holy attire. The New King James or the King James Version says, worship the Lord in holy attire. What's that about? What is that about? It's the idea of holiness. It involves giving him every area of our lives. It involves holy living. Now, I would also say this. You are dressed in holy attire when you come before the throne of God. Anyone who's a believer in Jesus Christ, you're dressed in whose holiness? You put on the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Our righteousness comes from Christ. But the way that we live our lives is part of it as well. Romans 12.1, we know, says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's grace, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies, 
come in holy attire as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And so we join in the song of worship by, in, in giving. We join in by singing. And then verse 10 says that we join in by warning. We warn the nations. It says, say among the nations, the Lord reigns, right? The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Part of our worship, part of our testimony to the nations is the Lord, the righteous judge, he will come. Do you believe that? Do you believe that the Lord Jesus Christ will come? I hope so. He's coming. He will come. Sing to the king who's coming to reign. Glory to Jesus, the lamb who is slain. He will come. It's our responsibility as believers in Jesus Christ. And part of our worship is that we would warn the nations of judgment. We would say to them, we would say to the people in Grimes, leave your worthless idols. They're hollow. They're empty. If you won't come and be part of the song of the redeemed, you're going to be judged. You will spend an eternity apart from God. The Lord reigns, it says. The Lord is the great king, and he's going to come with judgment. Receive his grace, receive his mercy, receive his kindness offered to you at the cross. You see, Jesus has taken away sin's curse for all who would believe in him. We're summoning the nations, we're saying, come join the song of the redeemed. And he's returning not only to liberate you and me to proclaim this freedom, he's returning to liberate all of creation from sin's curse when he comes in glory. Romans 8 says this in 18. It says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. The creation saying, Hey, get busy, believers. Get busy telling the nations your stories, singing your song. We're looking forward to the full number. We're looking forward to when all the nations hear the glory of, and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because then the Lord will come. Creation is waiting for this. It says in 20 that, for the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. And we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. There is a growing... <laughs> desire crescendo for the gospel to be known amongst all the nations. And we need to join in with singing, join in giving, join in in warning the nations. The whole earth is waiting, longing for us. And then there's this beautiful crescendo of worship amongst the creation in verse 11. 
It says, let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that's in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in faithfulness. He says rejoice. The creation's resounding and singing. Creation is jubilant. It's singing for joy. It's crying out with a shout, bringing and giving glory to God. There is a future glory that's coming. There's this eruption, if you will, at the return of Christ. This worship this is growing. And so, how are you going to respond? Are you going to be a, a part of this? Will you join in the mission of making Jesus known? Oh, worship is so much more than singing here on Sunday morning although it is part of worship. And you guys sing marvelously. Yeah. Even those of you that can't really sing, you make a joyful noise, and I love it. Will you join in the mission of making Jesus known? John Piper says this, he says, missions exist because worship doesn't. He says, worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not men. When this age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. God's desire is that the world would be filled with the knowledge of who he is. That's why missions exist, that every family and every nation would know God and worship him, maybe bringing it a little closer to home here, that every family in Grimes, Dallas Center, Woodward Granger, Perry, metro area, would know and worship Jesus. And it's that desire and passion to make Christ known that should drive us to sing, right? It should drive us to declare, to ascribe, to warn our coworkers. You see, one day missions will be no more. But guess what? The song continues into eternity. And so I would say to you this morning, make God's praise glorious. Sing, shout, clap your hands, raise your hands in prayer. Come join us at 9 o'clock in the morning praying. Join with the angels in singing. Make his praise glorious. The sound coming from this sanctuary, from his courts, should be powerful. So powerful that the world wonders, what is going on in there? I read this story, this, this headline this week, and of a church in Bixby, Oklahoma. And the, sitter, the city is considering shutting down the church for being too loud. What's up with that? Well, maybe they're just, they have their sound system turned up, but think about that. Wouldn't you rather be known for that? Like, hey, they're going to shut us down for being too loud. I'm not going to be silent. 
Don't just let the song, though, end here on Sunday. Sing it. Sing it in the community. Sing it to the nations. Testify about what the Lord has done and is doing in your life. And then maybe you're here this morning and you're saying, you know what, I'm not sure what this is all about, um, but I want the joy, I want peace, and I love what I'm seeing around me today. I sense it, the peace and joy of the Lord. I sense the love of God in this place. Here's what I would say to you. <laughs> Come join. Join in the song. Join the crescendo of people who have found the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Here's the good news for you. The good news is that God loves you. God is not upset with you. God is not disappointed with you. God loves you. Why? Because he created you. He created you for worship. He created you to worship him and to enjoy him forever. Here's the problem. The problem is, is that your own sin has separated you from him. Everyone, everyone in this room at some point in their lives has rebelled against God. We worship and live for ourselves. We idolize the creation. And because of our sin and rebellion, God can't let sin go unpunished because God is holy. The Bible says that the wages of our sin, my sin, your sin, everyone in this room, is death. Eternal separation from a holy God who cannot dwell with sin. Everyone in this room, all of us, at one point in our lives, we're headed for hell. We're headed for judgment. We're headed for destruction. And at some point in our lives, we probably tried to, to pay for our sin. You know, we would try to say, you know what, I'm going to be better this time, or I'm going to do more, I'm going to do it better. I'm going to be Iowa nice. But guess what? It won't be enough at the day of judgment. It's not enough. Your good enoughness is never enough. Why? Because God's standard is holiness. God's standard is perfection. And God knows that. God knew that. God saw you and saw, man, there's got to be another way. And that's where Jesus steps in. God sent Jesus. Oh, he's different than you. He's the existing one. He's perfection. He was the perfect payment for your sin. God would send Jesus Christ to take your sin upon himself. He took the death sentence that was upon you. But guess what? He's different than you. Because of his perfection, death could not hold him. In this one act that we celebrate at Easter, Jesus Christ defeated sin, he defeated death, and he rose victoriously from the dead. And guess what? Everyone, everyone who puts their faith and their trust in Jesus, what he did receives grace and receives mercy, receives the forgiveness of sin. 
when you stand at the end of creation, when the Lord, the righteous judge, comes and you stand before him at the judgment seat and God asks you the question, why should I let you into heaven? Every believer in this room's response is going to be this. We're going to be pointing to the right hand of the throne of God and we're going to be saying, I am standing in heaven because of this man here, the Lord Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He was the payment for my sin. It's because of him. And that's why we should worship and we should celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never, you've been thinking, I'm just going to do this on my own. I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to be coming to church. You know, all those kinds of things that we do to think that we earn God's favor. It's not enough, but Jesus is. And I would encourage you today, do you want to receive him today? Do you want to bow your knee before him and say, you know what, Jesus, I need you in my life. I've been trying to do this thing on my own, been trying to be better, be good. You know what? It's just not working. I find the harder that I try, the worse that it gets and the farther I feel from God. Guess what? Today's the day that you should come home. Come home to the Lord. Join in the song of the redeemed. Join in by surrender. Pray the prayer of faith. Say, Jesus, I need you to forgive my sins. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I can't do it. Man, when you do that, Jesus comes and he brings freedom and he brings joy. And the scripture says that there's no condemnation now for those who are in Christ Jesus. Won't you come? Today could be the day of salvation for you. Let's bow and pray. Father, we desperately, God, need you. There is no one like you, God. Thank you for your deliverance, Lord. Thank you for your rescue. God, I pray um, right now, God, that as we sing, we bring glory to your name, God. And if there are folks here, God, who um, need to surrender, God, I pray that your spirit, God, would continue to speak to their hearts, Lord. Father, that you would continue to do the work, Lord that your word of God does. And so, Father, we come as believers, we come, God, with joy in our hearts, Lord. We're part of the redeemed, God. We're part of the creation. We're part of the, the song, God, that you're creating, that you're singing. We're part of the, the grand crescendo, God, that is worship. Lord God, help us to sing with all of our hearts, God. Help us to sing the new songs that you're writing in our hearts every day, God. God, help us to give, Lord. Give ourselves, God, to you. Be open to the Holy Spirit's leading in our lives, God, as we live and breathe, God. We want to serve you, God. Serve the one true God. And God, help us to speak, Lord. Help us to speak the warning to the nations, to our coworkers, God, that the Lord reigns. He's righteous. He's worthy of praise. Come. Come and join the song. Come and join in the song of all the redeemed, God. Pray, Father, that we would not be ashamed of the gospel, that we, but we would be bold witnesses 
who would declare it God. And so, Father, come as we, as we worship and as we sing. Come speak to us by your Holy Spirit. Uh, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite